Let's give it up for the band. That was awesome. That really was so awesome. You guys uh, led us so well into, um, into just um, a place where we can go before the Lord, and it, wasn't, it, was, it was just so easy and free to follow you guys. So thanks a lot. Uh, so my name is Phil. I'm one of the elders here at, at Living Hope. And this week we will be wrapping up a two-part series on uh, who the Holy Spirit is throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament while uh, Josh Causey, our normal teaching pastor, is uh, getting some much-deserved rest uh, and time off. So uh, before we jump into the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament, I want to recap what we looked at last week just really quick. Um, so last week we slowly broke apart uh, this one Hebrew word that was used to describe who the Holy Spirit is, and then we went and looked at a bunch of stories to see his activity all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, and when, when, with all those stories, we kept tying it back to the creation story and to see how the Holy Spirit has been uh, involved since the very beginning. We've seen uh, those first words of Scripture that it says that the Holy Spirit was there uh, holding together this unformed world, but then that he was sent into the world uh, to take what was chaotic and wild and dark, and then through the Holy Spirit, uh, um, he brought order and life and light into all that. And so that since the very beginning, uh, and even all the way up to right now, the Holy Spirit is working with the broken and chaotic parts of us and the world around us so that he can bring beauty and order to what we see today. Uh, that the Holy Spirit is what we talked about last week, is he is the way that God interacts with uh, the world. And that there's always some level of, of mystery uh, in regards to who he is and how he works, but the Bible has given us so many clear ways that we can know exactly uh, who he is and how he interacts with us. And that's, that's what we spent um, last week doing, is that we can, we can know this God. Uh, we can see his heart for creation and for us. And then we ended last week by saying that the Old Testament, all of it was pointing towards Jesus. That uh, throughout all of those stories, uh, with the Holy Spirit coming to interact with specific people for specific times, uh, that he was pointing towards a time where he would come and dwell in each one of us that believed and accepted who Jesus was, not just specific people. Uh, and so today we're going to move into the New Testament, and we're going to just say briefly up at front that it was all pointing towards Jesus, like I said, and that we know what Jesus came to do. Uh, we know that um, he came to bring us what we really needed, that uh, we were trapped in our sin, um, and that we were, we were broken, and that he came through the cross to take our old hearts and to give us new ones. And because of the sacrifice that he made for us, that now we can have a right relationship and actually um, have a relationship with God the Father. And all that was done through Jesus's, uh, his life and his death and his, bur- his burial and his resurrection. And so his resurrection is where I want us to pick up and start reading today. Um, we can turn to John chapter 20. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. And this is when Jesus meets with his disciples for the very first time after he was resurrected. And this is what he says to them in John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And I just love this verse so much because it ties, um, it ties back to the very beginning like we looked at last week with God breathing life into Adam. That in the very beginning of the world, God sent his spirit into Adam to give him what uh, we saw was called his life breath. That without God sending um, his life breath into Adam, Adam would not have been alive. If Adam did not have breath, if we did not have breath, we would not be alive. And here Jesus is working with that and taking it deeper. That when Jesus in this verse breathes on the, the disciples, what he's doing is he's sending his spirit in them to not just give them physical breath, but to awaken their new spiritual lives that they are going to have. And I just think it's so amazing. And so we know um, that before Jesus officially goes back to the ascension that uh, we have the Great Commission. You know where he says, like, go therefore and make disciples in all the nations. That, that whole deal. Um, we know that that's coming, but this is the start of that. This is the start of that commissioning. And so what Jesus is doing right, near, right here with the disciples This had to happen before the disciples could be sent out into the world. Um, Before they could be sent out to tell the people the good news of the kingdom of God, to tell them what Jesus had really come to do with us, Jesus had to first breathe uh, life into their dry bones. And he had to do it through the Holy Spirit. But before Jesus died, he told them that this was going to happen. Earlier, he tells them that it's going to be better for them if he leaves so that the Holy Spirit, so that the helper could come to be with them. And so what I want to do now is uh, turn to Ephesians 1. This is the same passage that John read over us a little while ago. Uh, And to see how Paul describes why Jesus had to leave the Holy Spirit with us, why the Holy Spirit is here with us now. So Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to just read verses 13 and 14. Verse 13, it says... In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. And I want to read that one more time. In him you also, starting verse 13, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Jesus, You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So that phrase, uh, guarantee of our inheritance, that's what I want to focus on uh, today. So when Paul says this word, guarantee, uh, what he's doing is he's describing something sort of like an engagement ring, that... um, that an engagement ring is a sign that someone can have right now to describe something that's going to come in the future. That the person can look down and see this ring and be reminded that they are one day going to be married. And that people around them can also see that ring to know that they are going to be married in the future. And then the next phrase, it says, guarantee of our inheritance. Uh, The word inheritance, what Paul is doing here is he's, um, he's working on... Uh, He's bringing back this major theme throughout the Bible, and that's the Exodus story. And we think back to the Old Testament 
um, when God rescued his people out of Egypt, pulled them out of the captivity, and then sent them off towards the promised land, uh, they were led the whole way by the Spirit of God. And so what Paul is doing here is he's drawing on this idea that just as the, um, the Israelites were rescued out of their captivity, Jesus came to rescue us out of our own captivity as well. That we were also rescued um, out of our own sin and brokenness. And now we are heading off towards our real inheritance. That we are the people of the true exodus is what Paul is, Paul is getting at. But this time, the promised land is not one small place in the world. It's going to be one day, the, uh, Jesus is going to come back and it's going to be the entire recreated world. And so what Jesus could have done is he could have saved us and then he could have just told us, hey, one day things are going to get better. All this brokenness and death and abuse and poverty and destruction, all this stuff, one day down the road, it's going to get better. Hang in there, keep your chin up. One day I'm going to make all things new. He could have just left it at that. But that's not what he did, and that's never what he was planning to do. That instead of just saying that those things were coming to us one day down the road, he left us a reminder of that guaranteed future. And what does Paul say that the guarantee is? Is it a thing like an engagement ring? No, it's not a thing, it's a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And that's what we did last week, is we slowly went through to see who the Holy Spirit really is and to see what he's all about. That at his heart, he's a creator who is constantly working to make all things new. We could say that uh, the Holy Spirit is the bridge between heaven and earth. That what God wants done here, it happens through the Holy Spirit. Another way we could say it is that the Holy Spirit is the intersection between heaven and earth. And I like that a little better. It makes it feel closer to me. Uh, That the Holy Spirit is the intersection between heaven and earth. But only saying that the Holy Spirit was sent as a reminder to us would not be the full story. If we look back um, to that first passage we read today in John 20, to what Jesus was telling his disciples, uh, he says to them, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So what Jesus was doing in those moments is he was telling his disciples. He says, you saw that I was sent by the Father to go and tell the people the good news of what's going to be happening. And now it's your turn to go do the same thing. But first, before I send you off, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you, with all of you who believe in this. And that whenever we were saved uh, by the Spirit, when we believed in what Jesus was doing, we stepped into that story. And His story becomes our story. That we were uh, people who are freed to be free for us, but that we also would be sent out to bring that same freedom to other people. And so we can say that if the Holy Spirit was sent to remind us of our real future, then he's also sent to help us remind and to let people know of the real future that they can have in Jesus as well. And so if I could tie all that together, what I would say is that we are a saved and a remade people, those of us who believe in what Jesus has done for us, and that we too, just like the Spirit, are intersections between heaven and earth, that we believe in what Jesus and what he's done for us, 
And now, through the power and through the help of the Holy Spirit living in us, we get to spend the rest of our lives uncovering what that means for us as we help those around us to uncover what it means for them as well. And so all of this is going to fall under uh, what Josh normally teaches. He does this thing. He says, um, he breaks his sermons down into two things. What does God want me to know? And then what are some things that God could want me to do? And so all that I just described falls under what does God want me to know? Last week we looked at the Old Testament and we uh, talked about who the Holy Spirit is um, in regards to God's plan and God's heart to remake all of humanity. And that's what I think I want us to know about who the Holy Spirit is. And now we're going to move into a few things that I think God could possibly want us to know what to do with those things. And so what, what does this mean for us on a practical, uh, every single day kind of level? I know that for myself, when I think of the Holy Spirit and how we interacted throughout the New Testament, uh, my mind jumps to some of the bigger things that he did, some of the bigger, more powerful acts that the Holy Spirit did. Um, Something like a story like Pentecost. And Pentecost and other stories like that are incredible. And I believe still very relevant today. I think the Holy Spirit still moves uh, today very powerfully and very big. And we as a church, we're praying that he does big things here. We've seen him do huge things in our past, and we want him to keep doing those big things. But I think that I do fall into some lies um, when I only see the Spirit in regards to those big things. And so for me, uh, some of those lies that I fall into when I think about Him only doing big things is I would say something like this. uh, I would think something like this to myself, that my everyday life doesn't look as big and powerful as Pentecost. So maybe there's something wrong with me. Or uh, since I don't feel the Holy Spirit moving in those ways very regularly, uh, then maybe he's not really there with me. So I believe those lies. Or maybe you don't find yourself comparing uh, to those big moments, but in general, with the Holy Spirit, maybe you would struggle to know if the Holy Spirit really is with you from day to day. Or maybe uh, you would think that, um, it, am I really living a life that, uh, that is through the Holy Spirit? And when you heard me say this about the Holy Spirit and us being these intersections between heaven and earth, would you say, uh, yeah, no way, not me. There's no way that the Holy Spirit is living in me to make me this intersection between heaven and earth. That's not for me. As I've been studying through and uh, looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament and all of it and seeing these stories, I keep being drawn back, obviously, uh, to the role of creation. I keep saying this stuff over and over again uh, for me, and how his role in creation wasn't just a one-time thing, but it's this continual process of making all things new. Because to me, it's been helpful for me to see the Holy Spirit in, in this way as one of his core aspects, as one of the most fundamental things for me to understand about who the Holy Spirit is, because from there I can build on it. That seeing creation in this way and seeing his role um, helps me to frame all these other things that he does. And so that, of course, we can't pass over those big, amazing miracles that were done through the Bible. But I think that I focus so much on those things that I forget um, and I've possibly lost sight of the beauty 
and the awe that comes with just steady growth of the Spirit within each one of us who believe in Jesus. And so, one more time, we're not going to go, we're not going to turn to it and read it, but I want to talk about Genesis again and um, jump back to the very end of the seven days after everything was made. And at the end of those seven days, we know that God rested. And then, we, well, we know at, after that, that man had not been created yet, and that the Garden of Eden had also not been created yet. So the very first thing that God does after the seven days is he made man. And then it says in Genesis that the next thing he did was he planted the Garden of Eden. Not that he spoke it into existence and the whole thing just bloomed up perfectly, but that he planted it, and then he took Adam, and he put Adam in the garden and it says so that he could work it and keep it. You know, I don't really know exactly what, the, what God's long-term plan would have been in regards to Adam and Eve being there in the garden with him every day, working it, working with the things that God had started. But we know for sure that it would have included close communion between God and man. And uh, they would have both been working this garden together. And that together, slowly, they would have been uncovering these beautiful things that God had in mind when he planted the garden. That Adam would have seen these things grow up, and he would have been with God to see and to work with God as these things were growing up in his life. I mean, in in the garden around him. And so if we're jumping back to what we read in Ephesians uh, with Paul, and we saw God's plan for all of us right now, uh, is to head towards this glorious inheritance where all things are going to be made new, uh, to be in a place like Adam and Eve were with God in the garden. And I, when I try and hold all that together, I, I have to think that there's more beauty uh, than I sometimes realize in the simplicity of just steady growth of walking with God through the Spirit and uncovering those things that He has planted within us. And I love how Paul in Galatians 5 intentionally uses the words to describe a life that is full of the Spirit. What does he call that? He calls that the fruit of the Spirit. That a life that shows that the Spirit is living in us is called the fruit of the Spirit. And we're all familiar with what the fruit of the Spirit is. Um, It's love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when I think about that with um, God and the garden and the Holy Spirit being with us, I have to ask myself, when did a life that was so permeated with those things that I just read, the fruit of the Spirit, when did a life that was so full of those things, when did those things stop being a miracle to me? Because if I'm thinking in terms of a garden, isn't it a miracle when we put a seed into the ground, cover it with dirt, pour water on it for what feels like forever. Finally, a little shoot pops up. We didn't make that happen, but we worked with it, uh, and we see new life. We saw that this spring at my house. uh, Lauren had our two girls, and they had this little thing with all these different herbs that they planted in these little tiny cups. And they put these seeds in there, covered them with dirt, and every day Lauren and Emma would go out and water them, And then every day, uh, Olivia, our two-year-old, would go in and dump them out. And then Lauren would have to scoop up all the dirt again and put it back in the cup and uh, 
try not to yell at Liv. And uh, finally, what seemed like forever of them doing these things, these little tiny shoots started to come up. And it was like a party. It was amazing to see, to see that happen. And so what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that I don't want the big miracles in the Bible to stop being big miracles because they're supposed to be. But what I do want to see is that the steady growth and sanctification that comes by walking with the Spirit every day can also be miraculous. Because on my own, the things that we read that through the Spirit will never happen. I will never be able to love, love the people of the world the way Jesus does on my own. Never. And I think that God wants us to remind, it, to remind us that the, the same spirit that was there in Pentecost and all those other things, uh, that he's also with us in the ordinary things of life. And that even the smallest moments can lead to miracles. And uh, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about our friend Reese Landry and her salvation story. This year we got to watch Reese be baptized up here. And as when someone gets baptized, baptized at our church, we get to hear their story of how they came to know the Lord. And uh, I couldn't help but sit there and just like cry my, my face off at hearing this story about Reese and uh, just the simplicity and the beauty of her story of coming to know Christ was just incredible to me. And so I'll, I'll tell you about it really quick. Um, Reese was with... Taylor Vernon at, I think, a uh, Domino's, I forget. They were there waiting on their pizza to come out, and they could tell that it was kind of a chaotic moment up there at the Domino's. I think ovens were breaking, stuff was going wrong, people were coming back in, yelling at this lady at the register, and um, they could tell that it was a pretty bad situation for them. And Reese had her purse with her, and she had some money in it that she had gotten from her birthday or something like that, and she had been saving it to buy something for herself. And... Um, I was talking to Becky about this. She said that, because Taylor was with her, Taylor said that he could see Reese, like, look at her purse and then, like, look up at the lady and then look at her purse and then look back up at the lady and he knew that her wheels were spinning. And then finally she asked him and she said, uh, can I give this money to that lady? And he said, well, yeah. And so she did. And it wasn't a big, dramatic moment. She just walked up and said, I want you to have this. And they walked out. And as they were walking out, Taylor said that he heard the people just saying, like, did you just see what that little girl did? They were also blown away about it. And then later that night when, uh, when Reese went home, she was just, like, overflowing with this joy. And uh, Becky was like, what did you do to my daughter? <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was amazing because Reese knew in that moment what the Holy Spirit wanted her to do, that she wanted her to give the money away and that Jesus through the Spirit, was calling her to follow him. And so that night she decided to. That the seeds that her mom and her community had planted and so faithfully just watered for years and years uh, were finally brought to life when the Holy Spirit connected these dots for Reese. And that day Reese didn't expect to, to see those things or to, to hear from the Spirit like that. But when she saw who the kingdom of God really was, she was surprised by a love and a joy that was so deep and so rich that a miracle happened that day and she came to know Jesus. All through one simple, powerful act of spirit-filled kindness. And that Becky and her family 
so similar to the, just like all of us, were living normal, ordinary, everyday lives. That uh, they were going to school, going to work, um, grocery shopping, cooking dinner, uh, doing chores around the house, all those types of things. But slowly and steadily, Becky was teaching her kids to listen for the Spirit and teaching them what love and kindness is really all about. Until one day, uh, Reese followed in that example and life sprung up from the ground. Reese became new through that process, and uh, I really believe that the lady was shown that day a love and kindness that she probably had never seen. And it came from a 12-year-old. And that, kids, this is for you guys, too. It's not just for adults. And so this leads me to the, the first main thing that I want to say in regards to what does God want me to do? What, what could he have for us with all of this? is that I want us to be the kind of people uh, that ask the Spirit to remind us of the steady growth that He's doing within each one of us, that He's working within each one of us. That we be the kind of people that ask Him on a Thursday when we're just tired and beat down from a long week, that He would remind us that He's still with us throughout all those ordinary moments of life because He loves us. Josh says this... um, a lot, but he says that sometimes when we're thinking about just life in Christ and following the Spirit and um, the fruit of the Spirit, that sometimes we're facing the wrong direction. That too often we're fro- focused on seeing uh, the fruit of what our lives should be or what these, the way that we think our lives should be going. And we're so focused on if our life is producing this fruit or not that we're facing the wrong way. And when we're facing the wrong way, we should be turned around looking back at the vine. Because if we're, fo- if we're turned the wrong way, then we're missing a life in communion with Jesus. And so this is what I was talking about earlier when I said that Jesus had to leave so that the Holy Spirit could be with us. So that we could be reminded, like an engagement ring but better, uh, that he is with us every day. And that when we're living lives that are facing towards him that he is steadily making all things new inside of us. Even if we don't see the growth that we expect to see, that he is with us, working with us. I heard in an interview one time with uh, Dallas Willard, he said that something along the lines of every morning before his feet hit the floor, he says out loud, which is awesome, uh, he says something along the lines of, I know that I'm in the presence of God today. And that the Spirit is with me in all things. Can we make that our prayer? Spirit, we are looking to you. Help me to know that you're with me through all aspects of life. Help me to see the beauty and the meaning and the purpose of the life that you have started within me, even if I don't see it. Help me to see myself the way that you see me. So again, this is one of the main reasons as to why the Holy Spirit was sent to us so that he could be a reminder to us that he is with us and in us, those who believe in Jesus, steadily making all things new. So before we close, I want to look at one other aspect of why the Holy Spirit uh, was sent to us, so that we could be these intersections between heaven and earth, that it's not just for us, but it's so that we can also be that for other people, so that we can show who Jesus is to the world around us. And specifically today, I want to talk about justice and mercy. And this is one of the main reasons that I love this church and the hearts of the people here. 
And when I am going to talk about the, these things, all I want to do is just spur us on to keep walking in the right direction because I believe that this type of thing is the heartbeat of who you guys are. I want to read from Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And this is uh, Paul's last moments with the church at Ephesus. And he says in verse 35, says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than receive. This was a really somber moment when you read the whole thing. Uh, Paul and the group of people that he's with had been together for so long. And Paul had been teaching them and strengthening them. And that in his very last words, he could have said anything to these people. But what does he say? He says, remember the weak. Don't just preach to them, but help them. And he reminds them, he points us towards Jesus. He said, remember what Jesus said. And we know that so many times Jesus talked about helping the weak and the poor. And we know he said um, in Luke 4, he said that he, the spirit of the Lord was upon him to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who were oppressed. And what he's doing is he's quoting from Isaiah. And it's all over the Old Testament, these same things. It's a constant message coming from God. That we are not just to preach to the poor, but we're supposed to literally help them. Over and over again, there are four types of people that uh, God continues to say that we should help. And those four people are orphans, widows, the poor, and foreigners. It's everywhere. It's all over the place. Because these are the people that Jesus came to identify with. I mean, first off, Jesus left heaven and he came to this earth. And then when he was born, he was born in a manger. He was born in a feed trough. And then when later in his life he was dedicated in the temple, it says that his parents sacrificed two pigeons, which was a sign of them being uh, the poorest of the poor. And that during his ministry, he basically wandered around homeless. That before he went to the cross, they stripped him of everything, which was basically just his cloak that he had on him. And when he died... They buried him in a borrowed grave. That these are the people that we're supposed to take care of this. And I know that we all believe this stuff. This isn't new to you guys here. But I know that sometimes for myself that I don't take action with it. And I avoid the heaviness that comes along with that sometimes. And Tim Keller has a few things to say about this that are helpful, but also to me very humbling about things that keep us from doing justice around us. He says, We have trouble doing justice when we feel superior to other people. But the gospel levels us to the ground because we are nothing but sinners saved by grace. And that if we're only, and when we do serve, if we're only serving the poor from duty and obligation, then it'll always be self-absorbed and it'll be about us. But if we're serving these people from the beauty of who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross, then that's what gets us out of ourselves and that's what gets us focused on sharing who Jesus really is. Another thing he says is that we also have trouble doing justice when we feel empty because of our lack of status or when we're focused only on our problems and our issues in life. And again, I'm not here to point the finger at anyone. This is for me. I'm talking to myself here. 
But I believe that this sort of thing is so important uh, for what God is stirring amongst this group of people. That we can't forget this. That we have to keep this in front of us. And then if we're seeing that the Holy Spirit uh, came to be with us and we're looking at why that was, we can't forget the whole reason as to why. Was it so that we could come and be filled with more and more knowledge of the Bible and so that we could sing these songs that scream and declare the name of Jesus? Yes, 100%. Spirit came to help us do those things, to keep learning, to keep getting more knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But it doesn't stop there. That just like the disciples were sent, we're sent too. And we're supposed to be reminded that Jesus identifies with the outcasts of this world. It's the same line in the sand that Jesus draws when he says that we are to take up our cross daily and follow him. To follow him not just into our own heads, but to follow him out into the world around us. And when we look at all these stories and all these acts of the Spirit throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, it never stopped with the enlightenment of just the people. It was never just for that. But they were always pushed into the people around them to take, uh, to take this into those chaotic and dark situations around them so that they could bring order and life and beauty of the Spirit to those people. And again, when I, when I take all this in and I'm thinking about all this stuff, uh, I say to myself that I can't do this. That on my own, I do not know how to love the world the way Jesus does. I have no clue how to do this. But that's when the Spirit is sent as a reminder to tell me, He says, I know. That's why this is my fruit, not your fruit. He says, but don't worry. I put it in you and I'm with you and I'm working this stuff and I want to show you what's there. I want to uncover the stuff. Just focus on me. And we'll, we'll work together to uncover what's there. And so this is my second, I guess, main takeaway that I want us to think about with what God could have for us to do with this. Is that I want us to be the kind of people that are constantly asking the Holy Spirit how he wants us to be involved in justice and mercy around us. That we would pray things like this every day. Spirit, help me to literally be the hands and the feet of Jesus around me everywhere I go. Please show me if I have any racial or uh, social biases or prejudices. And help to pull those weeds. Help me to uncover those things. Help me not just to serve people for my own self-interest. So that I can lift myself up to say, look at what I'm doing. But help me to do this because of the beauty of who you are and the love and the compassion that you've had for us. And help me to share that same love and compassion with those around me. And so that's it. That's what, um, that's as quick of a Holy Spirit through the whole Bible as I could do. But I hope that through this, uh, I pray that you've been able to see God's heart for you and for the people in this world. And that the only way that we can know and receive uh, the love of Jesus is through the Holy Spirit living in us. That the Spirit, He is here, and He is with us, and He's with you. And that He's constantly work us, working to remind us of the bigger story, of what God is really doing here in this world. 
And he's helping us to slowly uncover these things in ourselves. So the band can go ahead and come back up. Now Josh always says this. He says that um, I have no clue how this is supposed to apply to you and to your life specifically. What does this mean for you? What does this mean for your family? Uh, That's up to you and the Spirit to figure out and work together. I think as I've been going through this, Lauren and I have uh, started to figure out what this means for our family to walk in. And I know that this church has been, uh, we've been on this path towards this five-year plan that we keep talking about. And we're going to keep heading down that road because we feel like the Spirit has put these things in front of us. And we say these things all the time that, um, that our souls are big enough to love and to be in two places. How do we do that? I don't know the specifics of how exactly that's going to work out. But how do we love the kids around the corner from this building? How do we show them that they are loved and that they are valuable? If no one's ever told them those things, how can we be the ones to tell them that? And how can you also take this same love take the same knowledge into your offices and in, your, in your, the streets in your neighborhood so that, kids, you could take this with you on the ball team and in all your classes at school and work and all this stuff. We can do both of these things. That if we would just ask the Spirit regularly to guide us and to show us. He sees all the moving parts. We don't know what exactly we, we're supposed to do. We don't know what the 10 steps in front of us are supposed to look like, but He does. But I think sometimes he just wants to give us just that one step. Just follow me here and I will show you. And I pray that through all of this that we would continue to be the kind of people that beg for the Spirit to move. That this church would be like we've, we're talking about, that this church would make a difference in the community and that your lives would make a difference in the people around you. You know, other people can have love and they can have joy, but when the Spirit is working within us, it's a different kind of love. It's not self-motivated kind of love. It's a love from Him, and it's a different kind of love. Pray that we would be the kind of people that are aware of all the beauty in the world, but that we wouldn't avoid the painful and the hard situations as well. And I pray that we would uh, be the kind of people that are asking the Spirit to show us how He wants to bring His people back home to Him. Spirit, let us be a part of that with you. Help us to join in what you're doing. We're going to close the same way we always do. We're going to have two communion lines open. uh, And it's the kind where you take the piece of bread and you dip in the juice and someone's going to say over you, the body of Christ is broken for you. And the blood of Christ is poured out for you. And you do not have to be a member here. Any one of you can stand in that line and say that, Jesus, I, I want what you have for me. The steps are going to be open for you to come pray at. If you just want to stand up and put some legs to the things that the Spirit is talking to you about. I'll be down there and uh, one of our other elders will be down there willing to pray about anything. It doesn't matter what it is. We'd love to pray with you. We have prayer request stations on either side that there's a card and it says, Jesus Christ has the power to. That through the Holy Spirit, He can do anything in your life. He can do anything in the life and the world around us. So just write your prayer request on there if you want to. And there's a team of people that love praying for those things and they do it every single week. And our giving stations, our tithing stations are also there for you to give and support what the church is doing. Let's pray together.
Spirit, thank you for coming and being with us. Thank you for working with us. Thank you for working to make all things new in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Help us to follow in the plan that you have set out to achieve since the beginning of the world. The Father, your heart for us and Jesus, what you came to show us physically and tangibly about who you are and what you're about in this world. Help us to be about those same things. That we would be the kind of people from which rivers of justice flow into this world. But that we would know that our lives uh, don't always have to have these big and dramatic and huge things happening for you to be with us. But that you are with us in the ordinary and in the simple moments of life. Constantly showing us how to have love and peace when things go wrong in our lives that it's okay because you're with us. And you're working. You're working in the people around us and the people in this community to help us strengthen each other, to help us breathe life into each other. Because Jesus, that's what you did to us. You breathed your life into us and we can do the same thing to those around us. And Jesus, we just love you so much. And we are so thankful for how you saved us when you didn't have to, but you did it because you love us. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can stand as we sing.